Well, this Sunday morning, we are planning to look at Ephesians chapter 5, and we're planning to look at verses 3 through 7, and I want to focus on one thing there that's, that's rather striking. Um, in this passage, it's, uh, it's very straightforward. Paul forbids two different things. He forbids two things. He forbids sexual impurity, and he forbids covetousness. So verse 3, but fornication and all uncleanness... Or covetousness, let it not even be named among you. And then verse 5, he repeats himself again. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now, if you had to pick two sins that you were going to forbid, two sins you were going to forbid, would you pick these two? Sexual immorality and covetousness or, or greed. I mean, maybe you would pick sexual immorality. That seems like a, a constant one that is easy to pick. But, but greed, covetousness. Well, it's interesting. These two things, sex and greed, they, even today, they cover the political spectrum, both conservatives and progressives. So, for instance, one, one aspect of political conservatism is freedom. Freedom with your capital. Freedom with your property. Maximized freedom of capital ownership, maximized freedom of capital usage, the freedom to, to acquire and to have money and property and have your own private goods, freedom to keep them and to use them as you want. And so greed and covetousness can be the kind of temptations and struggles that arise uh, for people that are on, in that, that area. But then what about political progressives? For them, another aspect for them is also freedom. But for them, freedom of sexual practice, freedom of sexual expressions, maximized, maximized freedom to act out on any sexual desire. As long as there's consent, no prohibitions. So it, it really, these two things manage to cover that whole spectrum, uh, both now, but also then. So you recall that back then, the hearers, of that epistle, the, the Ephesian congregation, that congregation was composed of believing Jews and believing Gentiles. The Jewish believers, you could almost say, they were kind of the conservatives, the social conservatives. And the Gentile believers, they were the progressives, the, the social progressives. So when, when Paul names sexual immorality and he forbids it, he's talking about fornication and uncleanness. And the word for uncleanness there is talking about all the different kinds of distortions, sexual distortions. He's talking to the practices that were just normal for the Gentiles, not for the Jews. He's talking about the sins that the non-trads were coming out of. But then when he speaks of covetousness, he's targeting the other group. He's targeting sins that were especially common to traditionalists. And so, to all people, this is one thing that you see about the call that God issues to the, to the world and when he saves people. There's the call to imitate God, the call to walk as Christ, and that call, wherever you are, whatever you've come out of, that calls you out of your culture and out of your values, whether it was conservative, whether it was liberal. It calls you out of it and into the values and into the practices of his kingdom, of another kingdom. There's something that Jesus demands from progressives. And there is something that Jesus demands from conservatives. Something that Jesus calls us to crucify. Now, I want to talk a little bit about 
covetousness. Uh, it's um, well, it's just it's it's just not one of the biggies in most people's minds. It also doesn't get much airtime. Uh, most, if you go to a uh, a shelf that's got a selection of of Christian literature, you'll have things about relationships, stuff about marriages, stuff about being single, stuff about prayer, stuff about missions. You don't have a section dedicated to covetousness. But Paul brings it up here, and he's pretty strong about it. He says, covetousness must not even be named among us. Now, Paul says later, verse, verse 5, he says, covetousness, he says, it's idolatry. He says, um, remember, God in the Ten Commandments addresses covetousness. It's that important, the Tenth Commandment. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. And so what, what, is it, what does it mean to covet? Here's one way you could define it. To covet, to covet is to see someone else blessed. To see another person who's blessed and to burn inside because you don't have that blessing. And, and you can covet anything. It could be anything. You could covet someone's house. You could covet someone's spouse. You could covet their car. You could covet their lawnmower. You could covet their tractor. You could covet their kids. Whatever. And the, the Bible is actually full of examples where this just comes up and we recognize it. One king of Israel, he coveted Naboth's grape garden. He was the king of the country and he coveted someone's garden of grapes. Another king of Israel coveted his soldier, his loyal soldier's wife. He coveted her. You've got Achan. He saw treasure. He saw outfits, clothes. He saw man jewelry. And he coveted it. He coveted it. Now, here's maybe a question to, to um, ask ourselves. How can you tell? How can you tell if you're coveting? Is it wrong to, to wish for a house or to wish for a, a car that's reliable and doesn't break down? Is, is it wrong? How can you tell if you're, you're coveting? Here are some questions that you can ask yourself. How, how can I tell if this thing that I'm interested in, this thing that I want, how can I tell if it's, it's just a mere interest or how can I tell if it's become an idol? How can I tell the difference between an interest and an idol? So first of all, first question you can ask yourself, can you leave it? Can you just leave it? The difference between an interest and an idol, you can leave something that's just a mere interest because your heart's not in it. But if it's an idol, your heart clings to it. You will not let it go. You, you, you can't lose it. You'll be shattered if God takes it away. So can you just leave it? Secondly, do you crave it? Do you have a craving for it? When, when you've got just downtime, when you've got unpressured time, does this thing, does it fill your daydreams? Is that where your mind goes to, to find pleasure? Is it, is it always playing in the background, preoccupying you? Well, that might be an indicator that it's an idol and not just an interest. So can you leave it? Do you crave it? And then thirdly, this one's a little bit more tricky, but are you generous with it? Are you generous with it? Because if something is just an interest and it's not an idol, 
you actually feel very free to give it away. You're not stingy with it. You don't, you don't hoard it. You're not always trying to protect it and to maximize your accumulation of it from other people. So are you generous with it? Fourthly and lastly, does it drive you to overwork? Does it drive you to work more than you should be working? When, when something's just a mere interest, you seek it, but you don't serve it. And, and an idol is something that you serve. It's something you worship. It becomes the reason that you work too long. It's the reason that you work too long and you're willing to neglect other things that are more important. Matthew 6.24, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Well, what do we do if something is an idol? What, if, what do we do if there's something that we covet? Well, the Lord's just really simple here. He says, put it to death. Colossians 3, 5. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. And then he lists these things to put to death in your body. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. Put to death covetousness, which is idolatry. And he says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. So, this is how you want to think about it. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, you are in something of a spiritual marriage. The Lord is your spouse. You're in a spiritual marriage to the Lord. You're devoted to him. And so, when you think of covetousness and putting to death whatever the idol is, here's how you want to think of it. Don't let a second wife into your marriage. Don't let a second wife into your heavenly marriage. When you covet, it's a form of, of polygamy. It's a form of spiritual polygamy. You're trying to have two spouses. And he's saying, put away your wives. The, the commentator, uh, Thielman, says, it's not just that the love of money leads to idolatry, but the love of money is idolatry. And, and so here's what you need to see. Covetousness, covetousness is the feeling that you have to have the property, the position of another person. And that if you don't have it, your life is poor. But Jesus is someone who never coveted. He never sinned, and that means he never coveted. He never wanted anyone else's stuff. But he did want something of yours that wasn't his in the gospel, Jesus had to have it. He had to have the property. He had to have the position of you. He insisted on taking your debt, your sin, your position of condemnation. He had to have it. And he, he would do everything to make sure he had it. The wrath of God then came on covetous and idolaters, the covetous and the idolaters, and so in taking your debt, the wrath of God doesn't fall on you because it fell on him when he took yours. By wanting and taking what was yours, Jesus not only took from you, he also gave to you. He gives you a spouse. He gives you a home. He gives you brothers, sisters, father, mother. He gives you servants, the angels who are called your ministering spirits. And he gives you this place of, of inestimable value and beauty it's a place that won't rust. It's a place where your things can't be stolen. It's a place where the streets, they're like transparent 
goal. You just can't. You're setting your sights too low for the things on this earth compared to this. The things that we crave and that we covet, by taking from us, by taking from you, Jesus gives you a heaven and a foretaste that far outstrips your greatest discontent on earth.